Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Clemens. This is a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. You can find us on the web at supportops.co, and we're on Twitter, where we're at supportops. This is episode number 10, and on today's show with me is the other Chase, the other greatest Chase that we've got, Chase Livingston. He's our podcast producer, and uh, we're going to call you a co-host for this one. Is that Okay. Yes, that's wonderful, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try something uh, a little bit different. Um, you know, the uh, the episodes so far have been based primarily around interviews with, with different people, and those have been great. But a lot of the, the ideas that you all have been sharing with us is that you want to kind of get more than just that from the interview. So we're going to add in a new kind of show where uh, basically it's a, it's a pretty simple concept. We've both been keeping lists of different articles and, and news that we found intriguing during the week, uh, all focused around the customer, customer support, customer uh, contacts, customer service, that whole customer kind of sphere. And we'll uh, talk about them on the podcast with you. I think it'll be fun. Uh, we're going to give it a shot anyway and, and see how it goes. Um, before we dive in, Chase, how are you? I'm doing very well. I've been a little busy and, uh, and that kind of thing, but things are going very well. Yeah, see, you uh, got the new house, right? Got a new house, yep. So we've been, I've been uh, transferring the home office and had to, you know, make sure I had internet hooked up quickly and that kind of thing. So I didn't have to miss too many beats. But um, yeah, it's uh, just nice to have a change of scenery and be in a, a nice new place. So. Yeah, I finally got, uh, you know, speaking of the home office, I finally got mine set up down here at my wife's studio um, and, and officially ran like actual Cat 6 wire back wow. here i know impressive it's fantastic because and, and just uh, kind of a tangent here for all the customer support people out there if you are using a wireless router to do your work day try plugging straight in with some ethernet cable of some sort because the speeds you're going to get are going to be a lot faster yeah um yeah you know it took my uh uh, just doing some speed test with what I have the setup now. Beforehand, I was looking at you know three to four hundred millisecond ping times, and you know pretty decent as far as uh, interacting with like the cases and things in my my uh, help app, my support app. But as soon as I plugged in, I went it from three to four hundred millisecond ping ping times down to fifteen. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and it, you know it takes a little bit of effort. You know, especially with mine, I had to run two hundred feet of wire, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some of us don't have that luxury, unfortunately. But I will once I get you know a good desk and stuff set up, I might give that a shot because the internet is actually in the same room as my office. So yeah, it's easy then. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so yeah, all right. Let's let's dive in before we waste any more time of uh, <laughs> you know just kind of uh, talking. Anyways, the first one up, uh, and the way that this will work with all the articles, you know, I'll make sure to put in the show notes links to the articles so you can read them yourself. We, we want you to see the the source and, and that kind of thing. So the first one we got up today is one from Sticker Mule, pretty uh, pretty popular company. I've used them before and liked them. Um, they have a post earlier last week about dropping their phone support. Uh, it wasn't something that they just kind of jumped into. They actually looked at uh, looked at it and said, you know, well, here's their reasons. They said that phone support's difficult to scale. It's difficult to monitor. Um, it increases the headcount. You know, it requires more people. It's difficult to automate, and it's not concise, whereas email support and that kind of thing would be. Um, so they dropped the phone support, left it there for, you know, customers that 
that are their current customers that have used it before, they, they still have a way to, to phone into them. But as far as new customers, it's all going to be primarily uh, email support. And the biggest thing was that they the customers didn't lash out or anything like that. Um, it was a good example of how you know you don't have to offer phone support because uh, sometimes it's, it's just not right. I mean, do you does Ubuntu One doesn't offer phone support, does it? No, we don't. And that's something I've. I don't know. I've always struggled with because it seems like the majority of phone support conversations I end up having are not very top notch. And I just am annoyed and, you know, go through all the, the motions of, you know, did you restart your computer and blah, 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 all the stupid stuff. So um, I think for me, I would rather have email support personally. And so I'm, you know, happy to see companies who offer great email support but uh, don't offer phone support. It's perfectly fine with me. So. Um, but I agree with all their reasoning. I can't imagine trying to, you know, to offer it on a, a scale enough to where people would be able to actually get get good phone support. I'm sure it's would be just a nightmare. Yeah, you know, the the one that really stuck out as far as their reasoning behind it. You know, we've talked about phone support being difficult to scale, and, and you know, it, it, uh, a person can handle a lot. A person could handle more emails per hour than they could phone calls per hour just because of the simple nature of a phone call. Um, mm-hmm. But the one I found really interesting was the fact that it was difficult to monitor. And I never really thought about it until they pointed it out. But it is. It's, you know, if you're talking about emails, you know, you can pass that case around, let other people look at it. A manager could step in and, and review your calls to make, I mean, review your emails to make sure you're doing fine. But as far as a phone call, you actually have to sit there and listen to the entire thing, which takes the amount of time that it, the conversation took. So, yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes if you have people who are, you know, having some really major issues, it's a lot more, to me, it seems like it would be more difficult to, you know, give them step-by-step instructions via phone rather than it would be just to send them, you know, a document or something like that via email and just have them follow it that way. So, um, and like you said, passing from, you know, agent to agent, um, that would be really tough because I know for us, when I pass, you know, a, a higher level issue off to a, you know, a second tier support agent or something like that, they're, you know, they're not always available right that second. So if, if we were trying to do that with phone support, the person would, you know, be on hold indefinitely or, you know, they would just have to try to call back later when that person's available. But with email, you know, it can just sit and wait until the, the other agent's, you know, able to answer. So, um, you know, time-wise, that would be that would be crazy too. Right. And we don't want you to think that we're just hating on phone support. You know, I know it's necessary sometimes. Um, uh, I was listening to a talk from Jessica over at Airbnb. And, you know, they when you're in that kind of industry, when you're when your whole job is about, people booking these, you know, pseudo hotel rooms and that kind of thing and, and their travel and things like that, then de- you definitely need phone support because if I get to a, a, a house that I'm staying at for the night and they're not there, then I need someone on the phone right then. Um, or even, you know, at my house, I have satellite internet. So when my internet goes down, I can't email them, you know, I've got a call. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see it in certain cases, but as far as, you know, the stigma that you have to offer phone support, that you're not a real company if you don't offer a 1-800 number, uh, I just don't buy it. Right, yeah. it's uh, Like you said, there are definitely some cases where you know phone support is, is necessary, but um, I like the, the reasons that Sticker Mule gives here, and it seems like you know in their case, it just it, they actually can offer better support now with just email support rather than trying to you know, scale their phone support, which it sounds like they were having, you know, a bit of trouble doing. So I think for their users, it's probably a win-win. 
Right. Yeah. In their in their final thoughts section, there was a you know another line that stuck out when he was uh, when the author said, you know, most support inquiries exist because we failed in some regard. Either our process had a hiccup or our ordering experience was confusing. So they've already fixed a lot of the small problems and made improvements just from switching from phone support to an email support because you you get a better you, you get a better feel to the pulse of the company. You know, you you, Absolutely, you get yeah. those little hiccups and things like that. Um, so bravo, you know, sticker mule tip of the hat to, uh, to you guys, you're rocking it out on that one. Um, on to the next one, this one from Patrick Roan, um, definitely check it out. PatrickRoan.com. And like I said, all these links will be in the, uh, the show notes. It's basically, um, him and his family went to Disney, uh, Disney world, um, uh, a couple of weeks back and he was laying out some of the different lessons and thoughts and things that he had from Disney. Uh, you know, ha- have you ever been to Walt Disney world or Disneyland? I have, I've, I've been to Walt Disney world. I've been well, actually on uh, a Disney cruise. Um, and I mean, there, you know, there's just not anything you can say, but that Disney is absolutely amazing with, you know, customer relations and that kind of thing. So, uh, but I mean, everybody knows that already, so don't need to don't need to say it again. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm a big stickler for customer service. That that's why I'm in this business. Um, right, right. And so, you know, my wife and I went to to Walt Disney World for our honeymoon, and uh, I did not have a bad experience inside the park. There were a couple of other little hiccups outside of the park that weren't Disney's control. That were other things going on. But as far as when we got to the park, Disney does a great job with the customer experience. Yeah, they really, I mean, it's amazing how they can handle that many people. And, you know, even on a cruise ship, uh, you know, thousands of people on a boat, it's, you never feel cramped or crowded or herded or anything like that. Right. And Patrick points out a, a couple of the uh, uh, different lessons that he took away from it. We're not going to touch on all of them. I just wanted to, to pull out a couple of them that were prominent uh, or applicable to customer support, that kind of thing. Uh, the first one being that he says you have to plan the work, then work the plan. Um, everything at Disney is, is perfectly choreographed and orchestrated. Um, I, down to little things like crowd control, what you see when you see it, who you interact with at certain times. Um, they train their cast, and they, and they call their team members cast members. Um, they, they train their cast to make sure that every interaction that a customer has is absolutely perfect and that it goes according to plan. And we miss that sometimes with, uh, with when it comes to online apps and, and, and online services, that kind of thing, you know, we, uh, we try to, to make sure that the customer gets the best experience, but I don't think we put as much emphasis on, on this. Well, like Patrick puts it, this choreography that goes on Mm -hmm. with our interactions with the customers. Yeah. It's, I don't, you know, like I said, it's, with Disney, there's just not a whole lot you can say, but it's normally really great. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, choreographing who, who they see, like what characters are out at what times and making sure that crowds don't get too big and lines don't get too long. Um, I would love to, you know, hear something from Disney about how they do it, but um, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, down to, you know, like little things, like the fact that um, – Everybody knows your your quote unquote name. They they don't know your your daughter's name, your son's name, that kind of thing. But uh, Patrick talks about his uh, his little girl was dressed up as a princess. So whenever the uh, the cast members interacted with her, they called her princess or your Majesty, your Highness, that <laughs> kind of thing. And then he, they they referred to the to Patrick and his wife as the uh, king and queen. Yeah. Um, and that's just you know it's such a little thing that they pay attention to the what they're calling somebody uh, when. When it comes to customer support, how many emails have you gotten when it just says high-valued customer? 
Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, don't even have a name or, or anything like that. So, I mean, they definitely have an advantage there with, you know, being in person and that kind of thing. But um, I imagine even with, you know, like the support we offer with, you know, online support or whatever, I imagine that uh, even those cast members, as you say, are, are just as well trained and, and polite and that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, you know, definitely check out the the other ones that uh, that are in the show notes. Those are the two that I, I really felt we could we could actually use, quote unquote, when it comes to customer support, that kind of thing. Um, next one, I don't know if you're a whiskey fan like I am. Um, I'm not, unfortunately, oh, okay. but it does sound like an article. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I grew up uh, and live in uh, the county next to Lynchburg, Tennessee, which is where Jack Daniels is made. So that was just we grew up drinking whiskey. You know, that was well, cold medicine. Um, So the one that came across my radar this week was talking about Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is a uh, a pretty prominent um, liqueur, uh, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) You know, we talk about whiskey and some people go, no, it's whiskey, no, it's bourbon, yada, yada, and all that kind of thing. So it's Maker's Mark. That's what we're talking about. And if you're a whiskey aficionado, then you can make your own distinguishes from there. But anyways, they... uh, they were doing fantastic. They are selling so much of Maker's Mark that they actually are running out of product. They, uh, to make sure that they don't have shortages and they don't have to increase the price too much, they diluted the uh, the alcohol content from 45% to 42%, so 3%, right? And they're mm-hmm. pretty smart. They uh, basically released this to their their uh, VIP club or whatever you want to call it, their, their inner customer little circle kind of thing first. Just to let them know, hey, you know, um, because it's so popular, we're going to dilute it this 3%. And that's going to let us uh, keep, you know, delivering those bottles to the shelves and and keep, uh, you know, prices under control and that kind of thing. Well, it turns out that they had to quickly backstep from that. (laughs) Yes, it seems. Yes, it sounds like that. Yeah. um, So they actually came back and released uh, another facebook message which is kind of weird i you know i understand facebook but as far as releasing like big Press news yeah yeah it, it felt weird they don't have a blog <laughs> <laughs> yeah direct me over to your site or something like that yeah. but you know this is what they did so on their facebook page um they uh, wrote out quote while we thought we were doing what's right this is your brand and you told us in large numbers to change our decision you spoke we listened and we're sincerely sorry we let you down um, so they reverse course. They're going to keep it at that 45% alcohol by volume. But the way that they did it, I think, was really great. They put the emphasis back on that the customers have ownership in this brand, in this company, and that they let them down by not talking with them about it first. Yeah, that's they definitely handled that very well. The 3%, I mean, I'm not you know a whiskey drinker, but the 3%, to me, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but obviously to their customers, it sounds like it was. And so um, they did the right thing and, and listened to what the majority of their customers were saying and handled it really well. So uh, props to them for that. Yeah, I don't think I would notice a 3% decrease. Yeah, I don't feel like I would either, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe so. I, it, it's tough. I don't know. I, I guess I would have to sit there and, and test out. And, that you know, MakerSmart did all that kind of testing beforehand. They uh, yeah, they yeah. went and said, you know, here's a 45%, here's a 43%, uh, I mean a 42%. Can you tell the difference? And, and yada, yada, and all that. But still, the I hate using the phrase the customer's always right. But um, in this case, the customers are going to pay for what they want. Right, right. So if that means that, you know, the, the price is going to be a little bit higher or maybe they're going to have to – 
uh, wait an extra week or two to get the maker's mark, then uh, that's what they were willing yeah. to do. Yeah, I hope the customers that are that were upset, or you know, which it sounds like it was the majority, I hope they you know don't come back when they you know have to wait a while for the product or pay a little extra because that may be you know what they asked for basically um, because it sounds like they can't you know, meet demand. So they may have to raise prices and, or, uh, you know, have some long wait times. So I hope the customers also understand it on that side, you know, being a, a support person, I know how those kinds of uh, announcements can affect customers. And sometimes the customers themselves may not understand, you know, the decisions that are made, uh, one way or the other. So I hope the customers give them some, uh, some patience as well. Yeah, it's, it, you know the the best thing about all this is the fact that they're they're listening to the customer. So it's in the customer's hands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's here's what you want, um, and and we'll kind of go from there. It's kind of refreshing change of pace from a lot of big companies the size of Maker's Mark that just does what it does what they want. You know, and and who cares? You know, they could have very easily dropped that three percent and not told anybody, and there might have been a little bit of an outcry about it. Um, but they could have been like, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we have to do for, for the money reasons and that kind of thing. It just kept going, but at least they talked to their customers and listened to them. Yeah. Like I said, props to makers, Mark. Yeah. And if you haven't, um, this article that we're going to do in the show notes, it has the link to the actual announcement on the Facebook page is a textbook, good example of how to apologize when it comes to, you know, these makers, Mark didn't have downtime, like, you know, you would, or we would, or that kind of thing. Um, but they still screwed up, and, and when you screw up, you, you screw up. There's there's not a difference between us screwing up as an app company and and MakerSmart screwing up with with plans. So read through uh, their their announcement there for just some good phrasing. You know, it's that the whole final line: "You spoke, we listened, and we're sincerely sorry we let you down." That was just really powerful. Yeah, that's that's a great line. Might have to use that one day. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, well. Hopefully we don't ever... Hope not, but it happens <laughs> yeah. sometimes. We all mess up eventually. Hope we don't mess up as bad as that. Which, speaking <laughs> of uh, messing up, this is a good segue into our... Uh, yes, our this one's interesting. couple of... Uh, I guess we're sticking with social media for, for a minute because Twitter was in the news this week for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is I had saved this article last week. Um, so we'll start with that. It. It's from Forbes and the, uh, the headline says it all. Don't fire an employee and leave them in charge of the corporate Twitter account. Um, yes. I think that pretty much says it all. <laughs> it does, right? Wow. wow. Um, so yes, uh, yesterday, well, uh, so, uh, January 31st, HMV, which is a British entertainment retailer laid off 190 employees in an effort to cut costs. Um, while they were doing this, so they bring all 190 of them into a, uh, uh, well, it doesn't say all 190, but they pull a large group into the HR room and give them the bad news. And, and one of the people in this group happens to be Poppy Rose, which is a great name. Um, yes, but, uh, Poppy Rose was the HMV community manager, so had access to the corporate Twitter account. So they start live tweeting this firing. And the entire time that it's happening, I'm just sitting there going, wow, did, did nobody think of that before they fired him? Yeah, somebody uh, didn't think this through very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a couple of their, their tweets right here. Um uh, the first one pops up. We're tweeting live from HR where we're all being fired. It's exciting. <laughs> there are over 60 of us being fired at once. Mass execution of loyal employees who love the brand. Um, and then the, the final one is, is probably my favorite. Uh, it says, just overheard our marketing director uh, who's staying ask, how do I shut down Twitter? 
Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know how you handle a situation like that from you know the people that are still in at the company and are trying to uh, trying to kind of cool that down. But man, that's a <laughs> bad move on their part. Yeah, it's you know we well we were talking about Disney earlier where where they had plans for everything. This is one of the things that you want to have a plan for. If if you have to fire your social media team, I think at the top of that list needs to be change the Twitter password. Yeah, before you break the news, maybe. Um, and I just, I don't know. There are no words for that story. It's just, it's like, yeah, how that's... dumb can you be? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you know, how can you not understand? And I think when the when she sent when they sent out that last tweet about the the marketing director staying and the marketing director saying, how do I shut down Twitter? The, the marketing director really doesn't know what's going on, it feels like. Yeah, I think that comes back to a lot of, you know, some companies, you know, just hire people to handle their social media and nobody else really investigates, you know, what's involved and, you know, they just really don't understand. And so this sounds like it could be a case of that. Um, the, the company itself, this wasn't something that they were really, you know, 100% into or uh, behind. And it was just kind of, you know, they left it to a community manager. And then when that person was laid off, they find out just how important Twitter really is. Right, and uh, later in the day they come back, and then once they gain control of the account, or however you want to say it, uh, one of their final tweets was, One of our departing colleagues was understandably upset. We're still here, though. Thanks for supporting HMV through these challenging times. Um, <laughs> it just kind of sounds like the marketing speak. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, uh, all's well that ends well, I guess. Rose actually um, still had access to the HMV Twitter feed. Uh, far after all this happened. And so she helpfully sent them a tweet and said, here's how you can revoke my access. Wow. Well, so. that's good for her. Good for her. <laughs> um, and that was kind of the start of this roller coaster that we've had with Twitter accounts, because it goes from that into, uh, uh, there was an article all over the place, but the one we pulled was from the Atlantic. Um, and it started with Burger King's Twitter account got hacked. Did you see that happen? I did. I actually looked at it. It was it was quite funny. Yeah, it, it popped up on my, my uh, Twitter feed. Somebody was like, you know, go check out Burger King. They're having a meltdown on Twitter right now. And it was kind of fun to watch it unfold in real time. It really was. <laughs> now, is it true that the password was really Whopper123? Because mm. if so... I wish. That, <laughs> that is... Uh, apparently, the password was pretty simple to crack anyway, so... Uh, um, and it's, you know... It sounds like it was... I mean... Obviously, that's a joke, but <laughs> sounds like uh, it, it might have been just that easy. I was going to say, I'm going to get emails now being like, it was, of course, not as easy as Whopper 123. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, you know, uh, Burger King's Twitter account got hacked, and they switched over to McDonald's, and they changed the uh, the bio, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's called the Twitter bio section, mm-hmm. to uh, just got sold to McDonald's because the Whopper flopped. Freedom is failure, McDonald's.com, in a hood near you. Um, it was, you know, and, uh, if you're watching the support ops Twitter feed, I, I, uh, retweeted from one of Wendy's, uh, social media consultants. And she said, uh, basically that that was her nightmare unfolding at Burger King right then, you know, just this, yeah, this I bet, horrible, I bet there were a lot of companies out there changing passwords quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of wish, and I'm hoping, you know, once, uh, we kind of do the whole post analysis of, of this whole debacle, um, is it just a simple matter of the fact that their password got hacked? Did somebody give it out? Was it, uh, you know, how exactly did they get into that account? Yeah, we'll be interested to see, you know, all joking aside, how, how, what the, you know, what 
allowed somebody to to crack that password. Right. You know, it started with Burger King, um, and then moved from Burger T- Burger King over to. Um, oh, we were just talking about this before we started the show. MTV, you know, got got hit. I think. Um, MTV got hit. Um, Jeep. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah, Jeep got hit. Yeah, Donald Trump got it. Jeep got it. Jeep was funny because it uh, switched over to uh, Cadillac. Sold to Cadillac. Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was uh, hilarious. Yeah, it was. Uh, it almost seems like it's the same people, just the way they changed the Twitter bio uh, in a hood near you, and, and you know, a lot of the things are still the same. So, sounds like somebody was having a little bit of fun uh, with all these corporate Twitter accounts. Yeah, and, and Twitter, you know, to its credit, jumped on it really quick. They, uh, they, uh, with Burger King, and I don't know if they did it with the other ones, but I know with Burger King, there were times when I clicked over to the Burger King Twitter feed, and it uh, was temporarily suspended, that kind of thing. Right, um, right. So, you know, they, they got in there, and they actually took control of the situation, deleted all the tweets that, that weren't supposed to be there, and restored everything. So, um, you know, I, I think... It's a bad thing to happen. You know, we don't know exactly what, what the deal with was as far as how they got access to the account. Um, but it just go, goes back to that planning aspect, right? You know, have a yeah, plan in place. To, yeah, plan if just in case, you know, the the worst or the inevitable happens that uh, you got to know how to handle it. Right. Yeah, especially if you're kind of a, a bigger target, for lack of a better word. You know, Jeep, Burger right. King. Some of these, yeah, these big verified corporate Twitter accounts. Um need to definitely need to have some way either whether it's a contact at twitter that they can you know notify really quickly um if something like this ever were to happen or or uh, anything like that right you know have somebody in your uh, your your phone that is a person that can do something at twitter when this happens yes definitely that would be very important and i don't think i mean it seems like uh twitter is obviously going to want to be willing to help us in their best interest to to help as quickly as possible. So especially for these big companies that are, I'm sure, you know, spending advertising dollars on Twitter anyway, um, I'm sure they don't mind helping. It's just, you have to have that plan on how to, how to actually get them involved as quickly as possible. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, again, uh, just the plan, the plan is in place. We, we've talked before about having plans for downtimes when your app goes down, that kind of thing, but have a plan in place for when, you know, no matter how unthinkable it might be, there's, there's Murphy's law and he's out to get you. At the end of the day. Yes, yes. Um, so have a plan in place for when you fire somebody, you know, before you tell them you go in and revoke all of their access to this kind of stuff. Um, have a plan in place if your Twitter account gets hacked or if your website gets hacked or, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Because looking around, now that it's happened on Twitter, if it happens to somebody else on Twitter, you can't say that they didn't see it coming. Yeah, everybody should be warned now. They <laughs> definitely need to pay attention. Everybody sure. that listens to this support podcast. <laughs> There is no excuse. <laughs> Here are warning. Winter is coming. <laughs> That's right. No excuses now. We're just going to poke fun and laugh next time it happens. <laughs> Which I was poking fun and laughing. Well, there's part of me that was poking fun and laughing. Part of me was thinking, oh, my God, what if that happened to us? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it definitely was running through my head that I would never want that to happen to me. Oh, and, and I guess kind of, you know, on the same planning theme we're gonna uh, kind of wrap up with this this final article which is really cool from arch technica um 
uh, at Facebook, Zero Day Exploits Backdoor Code Brings War Game Drills to Life was the headline, and that immediately got my attention. But it's, it's kind of cool because what they do, what Facebook does is basically puts their team through these drills. So they actually have a uh, emergency response team. So in this case, what happened was uh, on Halloween morning, which was, you know, a holiday. So you kind of think people had their guard down and that kind of thing. But uh, Halloween morning, the uh, the emergency response team at Facebook gets an, an email from an FBI special agent who uh, – Basically, is is a consultant for them, works with them on security matters, that kind of thing. And the email contained a Facebook link to some script that shouldn't have been there on the site. And he didn't give them much more than that. He, uh, you know, the email said that he was getting on a plane, didn't have much time to do anything else. Uh, he can dig in deeper, that kind of thing. So Facebook, the uh, this emergency response team digs into this mysterious code and then finds out that it's all going terribly wrong like it shouldn't have been there at all and so Mm -hmm. they go into what's called a a, a defcon one which if uh it's a a u.s military term it's the the highest state of of readiness so basically they they call this oh you know crap something something bad's happening right now and then bring everybody in and, and starts looking at it um but i just thought it was really cool that facebook actually does drills like these to make sure that their response team is on top of their game yeah, I mean, you know, with Facebook, with the you know the amount of information that they have, and you know, people's personal information and that kind of thing, I'm glad to see that they do have you know this in place. Um, because if something like this, you know, if this wasn't just a drill, if this was actually something that that happened for real, it's good to know that they're obviously you know ready at a moment's notice to to investigate and and uh, mitigate the the problem. Yeah, I think security has really been kind of a focus around the internet this uh, the past couple of weeks. It started with the New York Times reporting that uh, some Chinese-based uh, hackers had actually got into the corporate network and, and installed some uh, malware and that kind of thing. And so they come out about that. And then Google a couple of days ago put up a, a blog post about how that they have cut down something crazy like 97% of, of hack hack uh, login attempts, that kind of thing, um, right, just yeah. by asking it, it really basic, simple stuff. When you think about it, it's, you know, if I log in here in Tennessee and then somebody tries to log in in, in Africa or something, they, they know it's not me. So they ask another question that only I would know. So it keeps them out of my account. Um, and it's you know, and then the Twitter thing happens, and everybody's kind of got their eyes on on security. And then we get this this lovely Ars Technica article about you know this is how Facebook does it. They they have a, an emergency response team. They they do these drills, um, put them through the ringer. Everyone you know nobody on the the Facebook team knew it was a test, so they they thought it was real. And, and again, the the importance of drilling here is really important. You know. Yeah, I mean, when you were in school, we did fire drills, so why not the same thing here with, you know, especially a company like this that has so much at stake, um, if, if something were to get hacked, um, that's, I mean, I think more companies probably should look into this this kind of practice and drilling and all that. Yeah, you know, go ahead and talk with, especially when it comes to, you know, again, for the customer support side, you know, the support side is obviously not going to be looking and, and dealing with malicious code and that kind of thing, um, but when it comes to the support side, if something goes wrong, you know, you want to talk to your support ops, I mean, your, your support ops, your ops team beforehand and have this kind of plan in place for so-and-so is going to handle this, so-and-so is going to handle that. And that way, when it does happen, that communication doesn't break down. 
because yeah, I think the customer support team, you know, could play a big part in this because they're going to be probably the first people that are going to, you know, be notified and, and find out that there is a problem. So um, definitely need to have those, you know, lines of communication open to your ops team and, and your developers and that kind of thing who are going to actually be able to solve this problem. Yeah, you know, every downtime event that I've been through, if if something goes wrong, it, it uh, if, if something goes wrong with a response, it's usually because of somebody miscommunicating. That, you know, somebody thought so-and-so was doing this, but they weren't doing that. And, and it just kind of snowballs from there. So having some kind of, you know, big master plan in place, if nothing else, just to keep the communication flowing is a big thing. Absolutely. Plan, plan, plan. Um, That's the moral of this podcast, I think. <laughs> plan, plan, plan. And if you're really smart, that two-factor authentication is the greatest thing oh, in the world. Yes. <laughs> two-factor for the win. <laughs> I got it on my Gmail. You know, we have it here on the, the sport ops side and it's just so yeah. easy to use and, and set up. And I just, I love yeah, it. we use it for everything at uh, Ubuntu one. So yeah, I think there's no reason not to Yeah, really. Um, so like you mentioned, and that's, I guess we'll call this show plan, plan, plan <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, so by the clock, we're 35 minutes in that kind of thing. So I don't want to, uh, keep our, our people tied up any longer than we need to. We, we always promise to keep it right around 30 minutes for here. So that's it for this show. We survived, right? Absolutely. It was great. <laughs> uh, thanks for trying out the new idea. I didn't know kind of how this more newsy kind of thing would go. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. So for those out there listening to us, let us know what you thought of the episode. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at support ops there. Shoot us an email. Um, you can do show at support ops.co. Send us any articles that you want to get talked about in the next show. Um, we're keeping a running list, but if you uh, come across something that's really great, just send it our way. Show notes with uh, the links for today are over at support ops.co forward slash podcast. I'm Chase, and until we talk again, have an awesome week.